supercars in Sydney, racing all weekend long, shifting from day into dusk into darkness. Lights on, because in Sydney, we ignite the night. We are go to light up our Sydney sky. You don't want to miss this. Panasonic Air Conditioning Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars unforgettable. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and here's what's making news this week. Brock Feeney is our newest Sandown 500 winner, while Jamie Winkup now has six Sandown 500 crowns to his name. That's thanks to Feeney surviving a late safety car and pressure from Brody Kostecki to score victory in Springvale. Ryan Wood won the Super 2 round with a win and a second place, the other win going to Cooper Murray in what was a fairly wild second affair. Dylan O'Keefe won two of the Carrera Cup races to Callum Hedges one. Aaron Borg won the V8 Super Utes round and Campbell Logan took out Toyota 86 honours on a weekend where Clay Richards also broke through for a race win in the Toyotas. Parody was once again a big talking point over the Sandown weekend as Camaros returned to the top of the results. Ford is known to be lobbying for a front aero tweak ahead of the Bathurst 1000 even though the parody threshold hasn't technically been triggered. Meanwhile, it is now all but certain that wind tunnel testing will take place in the United States at the end of this season, which will, hopefully at least, put parity chat to a rest for 2024. Speaking of the US, Shane Van Gisbergen's plans for next season have now been confirmed. As expected, he will join Trackhouse Racing on a development deal that will include outings in all three NASCAR divisions, as well as some late model racing. And back on home soil, there is fevered speculation of a big off-season move with Tim Edwards rumoured to be on the move from Tickford Racing. Joining me this week to discuss all that and more is a teammate that's never been accused of being a wheel short of a set, Stefan Bartholomew. Stefan, how are you this week? Hello, Andrew. Hopefully uh, we can keep uh, all our wheels on during this uh, podcast and uh, no rear wings are taken off either. It's a bit of a worry, this wheel thing, right? I, I, I reckon a car lost a wheel at the SMP ride day a little bit back and then... There was a Gar Tandis thing at Sandown during the race, and then an Erebus car had an issue at Sandown uh, at the ride day on Monday. It's uh, it's not necessarily a great look. Oh, for sure. Whenever race cars lose wheels, it's a serious issue, so I'm sure they're looking into it all pretty closely. But I do believe that Erebus one on Monday was a hub failure, so yeah, it's totally yeah. unrelated to the issue that Garth had on yeah. the Grove car where the nut actually came off, so... Yeah, I did hear it was something to do with the spindle, yeah. That was obviously uh, a pretty big hit for Garth on Sunday, which you don't like to see. But other than that, the doomsayers were kind of wrong. Like, it was a pretty clean race. And if anything, it uh, probably lacked a bit of action for the most part. Yeah, well, look, I um, I have a chat with Jamie Winkup later in this episode where we sort of cover off the fact that there definitely wasn't the 
the uh, doom and gloom regarding reliability that many were forecasting. And, yeah, look, you're right. It wasn't a classic supercars race, but I have to say it was a bloody good weekend at a supercars event. I mean, the weather was spectacular in Melbourne um, across all three days. And there was a great crowd there. From Friday onwards, there was a great crowd. And on Sunday, the joint was uh, was really rocking. So I think that's kind of – I can understand from the TV, you might sort of go, geez, that wasn't too good. But I think if you're at the track, there was a really good vibe there. Yeah, it certainly looked uh, looked the goods on TV in terms of uh, the event and just what a, what a cool event to have back and just that traditional lead-in to the Bathurst 1000 has, uh, has us all excited about that. Oh, definitely. Like, it actually feels like the season of endurance, and it just felt right being at Sandown and, you know, two drivers in the cars and all that sort of stuff. It was certainly an interesting weekend. Um, there was, uh, you know, even if the race was maybe a little bland, there was plenty of drama both on and off the track. We'll start with the on-track action, I think. Um, Stefan, we've said it before, and I reckon we'll say it again, but how good is Brock Feeney? Like, second-year driver, 20 years old, and he just looks like a season Pro. I mean, you watch him on that late restart, mirrors full of Brody, and you just know he's not going to make a mistake. Like, the bloke is clearly a star. Yeah, it was the same as Adelaide last year, wasn't it, where he really showed he can withstand that immense pressure at the end of a, a big motor race and, and not make a mistake. And he was probably a bit fortunate on Sunday to have that lap car as a buffer on that last restart. But, yeah, Brody pushed hard. We all saw it. He got to him, and Brock just managed it brilliantly so it is pretty clear that Brock and Jamie are going to take a lot of stopping at Bathurst. Yeah absolutely the um, the early stages of the Sandown race were actually a really good case study into the importance of a top co-driver I reckon and I don't mean this as any sort of sledge towards Dave Russell or Jack Perkins who are great drivers but then you've got Jamie Winkup, you know, the GOAT, the Supercars GOAT, seven-time champion, and it shows when he runs down Perko twice in that first stint to to set up that that win. Like, it really can make a difference. For sure. Having a co-driver that can go from, what was it, fifth on the grid to the lead in five laps, that's uh, got to be pretty handy. And even Brock was a bit surprised by that speed early because the yep. race was always going to be about looking after the tyre over the full stint. Like That was particularly a challenge for the co-drivers who aren't so used to the cars. And I think if you look at Jack's performance, he did a great job to obviously win the start and hold out his yep. teammate, but then just manage the tyre and stick with Jamie once he did get through. And like in the end, the nine car didn't quite have the pace over the long run that that certainly the 88 car did. I think yeah. Will Brown lost more time in the third stint to Brock than Jack had actually lost to Jamie, so it's a bit car-dependent as well. Oh, definitely. No, no, and like I say, it's not a sledge on uh, on Jack because he even said in the broadcast afterwards, like, yeah, when you're racing Jamie Wink up, you know, you sort of got to keep your expectations somewhat in check. And like you say, it would have been easy to burn the tyres off the thing, either trying to stay ahead or then trying to cling on or fight back or whatever. So it was pretty smart driving. Um, I thought it was really good driving from Davey Russell as well, um, you know, particularly after he was put back to the back of the top 10 after that early um double stack uh it was interesting to see um Brody then kind of reinforce the that that little advantage he seems to have over Will Brown um that we've seen at recent events you know in the closing stages of the Sandown race he was beaten by Will in qualifying but he really sort of managed to get the upper hand back uh in the closing stages of that race and in terms of the championship like what a huge box to check to get through one of these single 300 point races with a very very solid result Oh, championship-wise, it was a 
win for Brody for him and D Russ to dig their way out of the double stack that you mentioned and make it to second. Like, yeah, that was that was a big effort. And and again, Brody just had more pace than Will over the the long run over the stint length. And I mean, there didn't seem to be even much fuss over the team order to switch positions there in the penultimate stint. It was just it had to happen because Brody had more speed. So I think going back to the earlier part of the race, it's just going to be a great qualifying battle between Brody and Will at Bathurst to see who can avoid that potential double stack because that's going to really define their day potentially. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, it was a funny old weekend for Shane Van Gisbergen. I mean, let's be honest, he kind of looked like he couldn't be bothered in qualifying in the way he sort of just lazily ran off the road. Um, and then in the closing stages of the race, off the back of an impressive effort from Richie to sort of get him back in the game, Shane came alive and looked absolutely brilliant. To me, it kind of shows how, you know, no matter how talented you are, that mind frame is so important to your performance. What do you reckon? Yeah, Greg Murphy spoke really strongly on this in the broadcast oh, on sure Sunday did. before the race, yeah, about the fact that Shane didn't seem focused, his body language is negative, like he didn't want to be there at all. And that was really great insight from Greg because from what I hear, and I gather you're you're there seeing the same stuff, that really summarises the feeling from, from within that team at the yeah, moment. absolutely. And Murph's words were very different from the criticism that Mark Scaife gave earlier in the year. Like, Greg seemed genuinely saddened by the situation at the moment. Clearly, Shane put his head down in the race and dragged out a result, which we all know he can do and, and he did do. But, it's yeah, it's a shame that there's this negativity around that garage at the moment. Yeah, it really is. And it's a shame for if Shane kind of goes out in this way. I actually asked him in the press conference on Sunday whether there's any extra incentive, you know, going into his last, what could be his last Bathurst what could be his last shot at actually winning a Supercars championship. And he sort of straight batted it and didn't give too much in, in, in typical Shane way. And I don't mean that as criticism. It's just how he sort of plays the media game. Um, but, yeah, it, it's nice to see those glimpses of that energy that he can bring. Um, and, again, we know he's one of the most talented blokes on the face of the planet. So it just sort of – I just find it interesting that the second even someone that good isn't properly engaged, they suddenly look quite ordinary. Um, but, yeah, mm. I, I just hope he turns it on for Bathurst. I'd love to see him come out and really turn it on for Bathurst, have a really strong run at the championship. You know, I don't hope he wins it. I don't really mind who wins the championship. That's not my job to care about that. But it would be nice to see Shane bow out of supercars as this sort of heroic figure that we've seen him become over the last couple of years. For sure. It, um, it should end on a good note because it's been an amazing story what he's done and and I do wonder whether Shane will will see what Greg has said there and and whether it will impact him at all because like Greg's been such a hero to Shane mm, yeah. um, certainly when he was growing up like they they've always seemed to have a really good rapport so that wasn't yeah someone taking a shot at him that was um, someone who who cares about what's going on there and um, yeah really told it like it was I mean I thought Greg overall added a lot to the coverage it was great he's obviously yeah. been away from it for a little while but he's walked in and and told it how he sees it yeah no he's he's great at that stuff and I mean I think we made it perfectly clear earlier this year that we obviously are, are, are stand very much against the idea of censoring drivers and, and, and saying what they can and can't say. Um, at the same time, I do definitely take, you know, it's been pointed out to me uh, a couple of times from very influential people in the supercars paddock that, you know, Shane, as much as he might feel aggrieved by 
you know, some of the stuff that went on with Mark Scaife at the start of the year. He might not like this car. He might – obviously, thing, things aren't perfect in team land at the moment. I mean, there was a press release that just had no quotes from him in it over the weekends. There's obviously some niggling issues there. But I think it's important for Shane to remember that, you know, this is still the category that turned him into the superstar that he is. You know, you would imagine that he's done pretty well financially over his however many years since 2007 – well, 2008 is a full-time that he's been racing here. It's given him the platform to show the world, you know, what he can do. It's it's given him the springboard to go on to, you know, make even more money and become an even bigger star in the years that are going to follow. And it's kind of – I think it is also fair enough that he should, you know, keep that in mind as well before he kind of just uh, sets fire to the whole thing on his way out the door. For sure. But I think this particular conversation around Sandown – was not so much Shane and the media or even yeah, Shane and the yeah, category. It's Shane and those closest to him within the race team that have yeah. given him this amazing car week in, week out and have been on the, on the ride with him to these championships. So, yeah, it's not for us to say too much on his relationships within the team, but it would definitely be sad if, if that didn't end on a mutually positive note. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Supercars in Sydney, racing all weekend long. Panasonic Air Conditioning, Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Now a ticket tap. Supercars, unforgettable. Uh, what did you make of Will Brown's mistake at the end of the Sandown race there, Stefan? I mean, it's an easy enough uh, mistake to make, that sort of double downshift thing. Um, but it's just the sort of mistakes we're not necessarily seeing from Brock and Brody, you know, right at the moment. I know Brock had an issue towards the end of the last race at the bend, but that kind of completely unforced error is just, yeah, we're not really seeing that from the other guys. That was an interesting one. I mean, turn six up there for context is traditionally one down change into fifth gear, but some were using fourth, especially late in the race, just to get the nose in when the tyre's worn. So, yeah, Will just wasn't quite positive enough on the second part of his double down change and got a false neutral and hit it again, hoping for fourth and it's plucked third, which locked the rears and, and sent him off. And we've seen sort of similar things a few times in the last couple of years, like Slady when he had that mm. big one in yep. the cool drive car at Bathurst at the start of 21. And Nick Perkat and Davo in the 1000 last year had a version of that. So, yeah, the gearbox is one of very few carryovers into Gen 3. And clearly if you're not quite positive enough with the change, it, it can catch you out like that. Well, Stefan, we campaigned pretty hard to keep that gear shift, so let's not uh, <laughs> sledge it too hard. Let's uh, let's, well, let's be nice and positive few, uh, ourselves about that it. ended up happening, uh, yeah, amongst well, the top right. cars. Like, yeah, you're the right. cars need to be hard to drive yep. in order to actually have have things happening in a car race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I noticed from the coverage was that Perko actually changed into a clean suit after his double stint at the start of the race, and he said – it was because of a back complaint that Will has and that the team wanted him to be ready to jump back into the car if needed. There's been a bit of talk all season about that back niggle for Will and it's clearly a thing based on Jack's comments. I mean, that could be interesting heading into gruelling races, gruelling physical races like Bathurst, the Gold Coast and Adelaide. Mm, that back issue is something that Will has has spoken about, even like Newcastle time, like right at the start of the year and clearly – He's been carrying it for a while and it is something that they're managing. But at the same time, like Jack's been around long enough to know that he's got to be ready to go in case there's an issue of of any kind, like gone are those days where the co-driver would 
end up in the commentary box or God knows wherever else while the while the race is still going on. You've got to be there just in case uh, you are needed. Now, there was obviously a lot of chat about parity over the weekend, particularly when the Camaros looked so strong on Friday. Uh, there was a bit of a fight back on Saturday with six forwards in the top 10 shootout before it was an all-Chevy top five in the race. The one asterisk on that, though, is what can only be described as some ridiculously bad luck early in the race. When the two leading forwards were taken out in the same incident, that was when Gartander's car lost a wheel, which then landed on James Moffat's boot. That certainly didn't help the Ford cause, uh, but still the lobbying work is underway for another aero change for Bathurst. Seems a new front bar is on the menu. The idea of that is to shift the aero balance backwards a bit. Whether that can happen or not will depend on supercars and the willingness to make changes when the parity threshold hasn't technically been triggered, which is the case because of how quick the Fords were at the bend. Um, either way, it seems we will see some wind tunnel testing take, take place offshore at the end of this season. My understanding is that that is all but a done deal. It may not be cheap, Stefan, but surely Supercars has to look at this as money that just needs to be spent. Yeah, totally, and I believe that's the case. I mean, Supercars isn't talking about it publicly at the moment, but the planning, as you say, is well advanced for this to happen in the off-season. It's a big spend to take the cars to the US and run a tunnel program, but you know they are continually investing in the science and the technology to try and do the parity the right way. Like The wind tunnel isn't necessarily a silver bullet either, but it's got to be done to give confidence to everybody that this process is as robust as it can be, just like the transient dyno stuff, which has been talked about and is still in the works. But again, unfortunately, none of it has happened fast enough. And so now we're at a point where the stakes are just enormous and the politics is off the charts. Like we're on the eve of Bathurst and there's this huge push for another aero change that you mentioned there's crisis meetings between Ford and supercars going on, like the whole shooting match, like this is shaping up to be one of the most bitter build-ups to Bathurst ever, I reckon. Yeah, no, totally. What was kind of interesting, so I was at a function on the Saturday morning at Sandown and I was kind of doing like a Q&A with some, some fans that were at this function and one of the questions was, you know, would supercars like to see more manufacturers come into the sport? And like the traditional answer to that question is, of course, they want car companies spending money um, racing their cars there, that's exactly what you want. But it kind of dawned on me, like, what a headache that would be if a third mate tried to come in at the moment, like when we can't even get two of these things right. Like, it's kind of a complication. It was always a complication. It was obviously something they dealt with with Nissan and Volvo and so on. But, geez, it would just be so hard to then try and bring a third manufacturer in at the moment because, you know, we've talked about the fact that these spec cars are so difficult to get the parity right on that, you just go, wow, once we finally get there, do we really want to do it again? Yes and no. I do think that part of the problem is only having two means that, you know, you're either you're winning, either winning or, or losing, losing to that yeah. other mate. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, and it just, it's easy to then have results separated out where there's eight Camaros at the top. Um, whereas if you have three, then it's going to be a little bit more of a mix. But yeah, in saying that, like the, the prospect of if you are a manufacturer out there, and you look at the case studies of what's going on right now or what had happened with Nissan and various things beforehand, yeah, this this is where it's hurting it as well, that it's not an attractive proposition to head into this, this snake pit that is um, supercars technical at the moment. That's very true. Yep, gone are the days when you can say, mate, at least you're not racing a Nissan. 
You're uh, you're still doing all right. Um, before we move off of Sandown entirely, Stefan, uh, that bad luck for the likes of Tander and Moff and even Lee Holdsworth, who got caught up in some contact early in the race, really opened the door for Kevin Estra to, to shine. I mean, geez, he looked good for a bloke with so little supercars experience, particularly in that second stint in the race. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, Kevin didn't seem to get the memo that the tyre life on the Ford is meant to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, like the right. speed he had early on, I thought he was going to blow the tyre off it for sure, but he just yeah. kept charging along. It, it was mega. It was uh, really exciting to see. I thought he was probably man of the match, to be honest. There was, yeah, I, I just love the the co-drivers being in the mix and even seeing like Craig Lowndes, like really competitive yep. um, and driving, yep. driving pretty hard, passing some people. Like, yeah, it's just a fun time of year as we head towards Bathurst. Yeah, that wildcard entry did pretty well, actually. I think they were 10th at the end of the mm. day, which was uh, pretty good. I saw Zane Goddard at the end of the uh, – in the evening on Sunday and he was um, he was pretty happy with how they'd gone. Um, speaking of impressive, uh, Jamie Winkup, uh, as we've touched on, really looked in top form over that Sandown weekend. And as I did mention before, I grabbed him for a chat about his sixth Sandown win uh, as well as Gen 3 reliability and parity, and here's what he had to say. I think that's five Sandown 500 wins for you now. Do you ever get bored of winning these um, big races? Um, yeah, no, you've sold me short, OVL. You sold me one short. It's in my race report as well. I've got the now. No, I never get tired. Gee, you, you know, when when I retired, of course, you, oh, towards the end of my career, I, I, you know, I treated every win like it was going to be my last because yep. you, you, you never know what's around the corner. So um, I was just joking with Scafie. Uh, on the on the commentary just at the end of the telecast at the end he, he got a couple late as well with Lounsey yep. got a Bathurst win actually being a, being a co-driver so um, I think Craig did about five stints at the end of that race yeah 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 yeah, yeah no exactly yeah, I think Scavey got out at seven, <laughs> lap 70 I think uh, but no it doesn't matter you know yeah. he, uh, he, he was a contributor that, that day and did a, did a great job so yeah. no it's great hey, great feeling to get a, get a win yeah. I Never, never thought I'd, I'd get another supercar win to be standing on the top step of the podium in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest, you know, the biggest, biggest category in this country. So, yeah. couldn't, couldn't yeah. be happier. Every time we ask you about Brock's development, you always play it down and you say, "I'm trying to keep the guy in check." But yeah, I mean, yeah. he is yeah. just so good. Like he just looks yeah. like yeah. such a professional race car driver. Just yeah. His second year, when you see him at the end there with Brody behind him, like you just yeah. want to know he's going to do it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we knew Brody was going to put a lot of pressure on, but we knew he was more than capable of, of doing the job, you know. And no, I, I, I was fully expecting him to uh, to, to get the win, you know, because yeah. because uh, he because he's showing that maturity. Uh, at Adelaide last year and plenty of times, you know, there's yeah. been, been big pressure and he's been able to step up and do, do a good job. So, no, 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 we, um, we're we really proud of him, but we just want him to keep keep his head down, you know. Yeah. We don't want him to don't want him to get lazy and get or get complacent. Um, he hasn't won a championship and he's certainly looking like he's gonna, he deserves one. So um, we just hope he, he keeps on the straight and narrow and um, and gets the results that he that he deserves and he, um, you know, he's he's fulfilling a purpose yep. in life. Yeah. When you see drives like that and you see him hold off that pressure, do you sort of go, this guy is actually like team leader material. This is a guy who can stay here for a long time and have a career probably not dissimilar to yours. It, definitely, definitely. We'd love to um, we'd love to have him around for, for forever. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But he'll definitely be here for the next three years because yeah. uh, 
that's what he's uh, that's who he's contracted for. But um, no, we, we want to grow with him. We want to keep yeah. keep working with him. Keep uh, keep trying to make him better. Yeah. Um, that's what we do. You know, yeah. we did the same with Declan. Did, done the, doing the same with Richie at the moment. Yeah. You know, um, bring bring guys in try to grow them and uh, give them the opportunity to move on. We can't keep them all. We'd love to keep them all, but we can't, you know. So we – it's painful seeing seeing guys move on. And and even SVG, he's moving on to bigger and better as well, you know. So painful seeing seeing talent move move on, but we're we're grateful. We're – we we love it as – you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It it gives you a feel-good – it's certainly a feel-good yeah. feeling inside knowing that um, you've helped progress someone's career and they've yeah. been able to move on to bigger and better. There was a lot of doom and gloom about the potential reliability issues with these new cars. Yeah. Obviously, you know, yeah. there's a lot of AAA DNA in this Gen 3 package. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it nice that the cars actually kind of passed that test of resilience? There wasn't multiple steering rack blowouts and all the stuff everyone thought was going to happen. 100%. Th- thank, thanks for bringing it up because there was a lot, so much talk before the event that, oh, gee, you know, how many, none of the cars are going to finish. Yeah. They're all going to fall apart and break. But as we saw, we had had a wheel fall off, which yeah. we're not sure what happened there. But apart from that, yeah, yeah the, the car, they're, they're great cars, you yeah. know. They've, uh, there's... They've done. They sound good. They look good. Yeah. They, you know, they provide a great racing. They're they're a really really good thing. Of, of course, of course, we need to uh, fine tune a few things. Yeah. But but what brand new piece of equipment don't you have to fine tune? Yeah. Not not just a race car. Gee, you, you buy a piece of machinery for your workshop and it doesn't work that well. Yeah. You know, for for a bit until you until you refine it. So no no no, we're um, we're really proud of the product. We it's it it hurts when um, when it gets questioned. Yeah. But that's okay. We you know keep keep questioning it. And yeah. we'll um, we'll just keep delivering um, keep delivering good things. Does it help you sleep a bit easier before Bathurst, as both sort of the architect of the of the platform and as a driver and a race team, a managing director, knowing that the cars do tend do seem like they should be able to get through Bathurst as well? Yeah, well, we we weren't as concerned as everybody else. You know, we. The, the rear end's very similar. The front end's basically the same. The uprights change, but they, yeah. you're not going to fail an upright, yeah. you know. So, no, no, no. It's it's high quality engineering in these cars, um, and they they do a they do a good job. If, if anything, in a crash scenario, they do a too good a job at, yeah. at protecting the driver, yeah. um, and it, you know, it requires a little bit more work for the mechanics. But I'd rather be a little bit that way yeah. than the other that where we're hurting drivers and yeah. and they just bounce off a wall and they're you know they're, they're, they're brand new again. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no. No, we're, we're we're using proper engineering to, to build the car. We're moving forward. You know, I think supercars are. You know, well, hey, I'll criticise supercars when I think it's when I think it's needed. But oh, I know they've, they've done it. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm the I'm the first one to, when to uh, tell someone they need to do a better job. But they've they've done a solid job this year. You yeah. know what I mean? We're fighting through all the parody stuff, trying to improve the cars. It's a good product, you know. And 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 the, hey, the we're doing the driver parade. The, the crowd, the crowd down the front straight and all that, the back straight. Um, the crowds have been great, and and that's a that's a credit to supercar for the, for the job they're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the subject of parity, you still feel, I mean, there was still, it sort of ebbed and flowed a bit this weekend. Ford guys are clearly not happy. There was still a lot of Camaros at the top of the end of the race. Are you still satisfied that there's not a massive issue with parity? I'm, I'm satisfied. Like, we've had the same car all year. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, the more the, the more common things you've got, the more you refine it and the better yeah, you the, go. Yeah. So, you know, those guys... We got we got out qualified by two Fords um, in qualifying. We did the best we could, and they were they were just faster, you know. And uh, over race distance, we we're a little bit quicker because um, you know we've had the same thing all year. So, um, 
Plus, supercars have got a plan. They, they got a sensational plan at the end of the year to go aero testing. I think, I think we all just need to forget about it. Yeah. Um, these, the, this talk of doing aero updates for next for the next round is just outrageous. You yeah. know, we've 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 had enough. We've yeah. had enough. We've we've gave we've gave the Ford guys you know all year to develop, and then we we we, we they're as close as they've ever been yeah. right now. So we need to get through the next three rounds, go aero testing, and then uh, and then I can't wait to get through that because yeah. that's it. That's the end. Of, that's the end of the conversation. Whatever yeah. you bring to the table is what it, what you bring to the table. And twenty four, we can put it behind us and just go out there and go racing. You kind of get unfairly labelled as a bloke that's not that good at Bathurst, given you've actually won the thing four times. <laughs> yeah, before. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But you must kind of be sitting here now, going, "Brock's in incredible form. The cars are obviously competitive enough to win races." Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a fifth one out there. Maybe, perhaps. mate. We're, we're, I'll, I'll go there with confidence, of yeah. course. I, I love Bathurst. I've, uh, I've, I've had some great results there, and yeah. I really enjoy it. You know, I've been, I've been in contention most years. I've been there, which is, yeah. a, which is a good feeling. Hasn't quite gone my way in a few times, yeah. but, but I've been in contention. So I'd, I'd much rather do that than be running around 10th yeah. and, and, and done nothing, you know. So, um, no, 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 I'll go there and have a crack. I love the track, so looking yeah. forward to it. Another bit of news that ruffled a few feathers over the weekend, Stefan, were some very persistent rumours from well-informed people that Tim Edwards could be on the move from Tickford at the end of the season. Now, he's been there for so much of the FPR slash ProDrive slash Tickford journey. Uh, he joined in 2005 after returning to Australia from a stint in Europe and Formula One. That's a long stint for a team boss, Stefan, particularly for an ambitious team that's won one title and two Bathurst 1000s over that fairly lengthy journey. Uh, would you be surprised to see him move on next year? Well, this story is kind of awkwardly placed at the moment considering Tim has denied it very strongly, but there's certainly a lot of mail suggesting he won't be next year, but you know what? What we know for sure is that team is going through a big change. Like it's downsizing yeah. from four cars to two, and they've got to make decisions around what their new era looks like in terms of personnel and all sorts of things. So, yeah, as you point out, Tim's been there for a very long time. He's been a great survivor in such a it's such a ruthless industry of yeah. competitive pressure, constantly driving change, and. Yeah, he's had his critics over the years. I'm sure he'd like the scoreboard to read a little better, but it's a credit to him that he's made it through 18 years at the one team and sure. yeah. contributed a lot, not only to that race team, but the sport as well through roles on commission and board and all the rest of it. So, yeah, we'll uh, see where this uh, where this ends up. Yeah, I mean, Tickford's had homologation roles and that sort of stuff in the past as well. So, um, But, yes, it is definitely very interesting. Well, Stefan, it's time for our favourite bit of the pod where we play some What Caught My Eye on My105.com. Uh, Stefan, you can go first this week. What caught your eye on My105.com? Well, Andrew, working with V8 Sleuth, I do love an old supercar. So mm-hmm. I've got my eye on a Stone Brothers Falcon that Shane Van Gisbergen raced in the second half of his first full season back in 2008. And then Scott McLaughlin drove this uh, this Falcon as well while he was in Super 2. So it's not cheap at just under 400 grand, but it's a pretty cool uh, couple of drivers to uh, have on have on the board. Is that an SP Toolcars with white wheels on it as well? Yes. Is it white wheels? That, or is that, it silver uh, wheels? 
white. That oh, um, sort of yeah. silver and black um, with some fluoro red on it was a bit of a polarizing livery, but I always thought it looked pretty good. I liked it. And white wheels is always a bit of a goer, I reckon. So um, that's a decent choice. But all I'm hearing at the moment, Stefan, is that a Camaro is the car to have. Now, there aren't many Gen 3 Camaros on the open market. So I guess I'm going to stump up 140 grand for the Camaro Sports Sedan, very successfully campaigned by Steve Lacey in recent years. I reckon it'd be pretty nice to roll out in the combined sedans field at the Bathurst 12 hour next year and um, bash out some two minute tens. So uh, that's a bit of me. That's where I'm going this week. Well, if you can have the uh, take delivery in the next couple of weeks, you could run it in sports sedans at the Bathurst 1000. That is going to be amazing having that category up there. That is going to be good. You're right. I absolutely had not thought of that. I better uh, get onto the accountant and see what kind of <laughs> fraud that I can commit in the very no, near distant I've future to a, get it. I've got a feeling you might be able to afford it. No, I don't think so, Stefan. Uh, I don't think so. Let's leave that for another time. Uh, all right, let's look at what happened around the world. Over the weekend, Max Verstappen's Formula One winning streak is finally over. Carlos Sainz became the first non-Red Bull race winner of the year in Singapore, taking victory ahead of Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen finished just fifth. Oscar Piastri recovered for some bad luck in qualifying to come home seventh. It was a Porsche 1-2 in the IMSA race on the Indianapolis road course with Nick Tandy and Matthew Jaminet leading home Matty Campbell and Philippe Nazar. And Denny Hamlin won the NASCAR Cup. Cup Series race in Bristol as Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. were all eliminated from the playoffs. Okay, Castro mailbag time. Matt Bottrell asks, if radio frequencies are supplied to each team by supercars so they can be monitored and what would stop a team from using their own frequency like a US frequency that isn't easily monitored? Well, Matt, supercars does supply the frequencies to the teams and it is mandatory that you use that public frequency so it can be scanned. Yeah, and I'd say with with the other part of this, I mean, I haven't um, haven't really had many conversations about this over the years, but it'd be fairly self policing because supercars, technical staff, and you know all the teams are all scanning each other's radios. So if there's a car either like not getting comms on the allocated channel, or if it's obvious there's an engineer in the garage talking into a radio and it's not actually coming across on the scanner, I reckon that'll all get found out pretty quickly. I still think a lot about your point that you've made on the pod before that uh, Supercar should utilise team radio much better. You know, it really does bring a human element to a sport where you can't physically see the athlete. I always enjoy yeah. hearing that stuff and I think it just needs to be better. I must admit when I'm watching uh, F1 races these days and something happens on the track, I'm, the brain sort of always goes, um, oh, I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, the driver has to say about uh, that because, um, yeah, it's always a pretty interesting uh, reaction. All righty, let's hand out some Castrol stars of the week. Stefan, I'm going to give my Castrol star to Liam Lawson. He did this part of the world proud with a fine ninth for Alpha Tauri in Singapore, as well as that stunning qualifying effort that knocked Max Verstappen out. It's a little bittersweet seeing the guy standing in for Daniel Ricciardo going so well when we're going to see some Red Bull guys miss out next year, but I think we should just enjoy this for what it is. Yeah, it's a good call. Liam was uh, very impressive on the weekend and he's been great since he jumped in the car. So uh, an interesting headache for those uh, Red Bull boys. Um, my star of the week is going to the Grove Racing crew for the work they put in to get that 26 car back on track on Monday at the ride day after mm. its heavy crash in the 500. Like, I really feel for all the team people who had to hang around on Sunday night to prepare cars for that ride day, but... 
yeah, the Grove team, they were there particularly late repairing that car. So uh, that's where my star of the week's going. Very well-earned star there. Well, that's it for this week. Remember to like, subscribe, and review our work wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport news. Supercars in Sydney, racing all weekend long, shifting from day into dusk into darkness. Lights on, because in Sydney, we ignite the night. We are go to light up our Sydney sky. You don't want to miss this. Panasonic Air Conditioning Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars, unforgettable. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au.